Welcome to Projects from the Heart podcast. Listen as we talk with changemakers who are forging ahead to follow their dreams and passions. Get inspired by these trailblazers and hear them share their secrets of success. Find that aha moment, that inspired one-liner that will propel you to live your dreams and a more fulfilled life. Hi, Women Beyond Ordinary. Welcome back to another episode of Projects from the Heart. I'm Ingrid Verkamme and your sole host for this episode. And I'm here today with Deepika Delmenico. Deepika reaches out to the world in service to the renewal of ancient healing mysteries and healing the divine feminine in each of us. She's with us for two episodes. So much to share. Amazing. She is an Ayurvedic medicine practitioner, anthroposophist, naturopath, speaker, health educator, and a number one best-selling author. Wow, that is a woman beyond ordinary. She has been practicing traditional holistic medicine clinically for more than 20 years. She is an Australian living on the southeast coast of Victoria. She's married to Graham and raised five children. Deepika works therapeutically with mantra and sacred sound as the original medicine and medicine of our future. You can find out more about her on deepikadalminico.com. When I close my eyes and think of Deepika, I see her with a big smile on her face. She's for me the embodiment of serenity, well-balanced, down-to-earth, compassionate and highly intelligent. And yeah, something radiates. She fills the room, each Zoom screen, with what? Yes, with her presence. Not arrogant and not humble either. She just is. And Deepika as a child was full of imagination, play, family and adventure. And there is nothing really pivotal like an obvious trauma or defining moment that set her on a course of action. Although she was pushed by coincidences, experiences, and also a grieving process. And there it was, the call to study traditional medicine and a pivotal moment that changed her life. She became passionate, followed her heart of restoring the great feminine essence in each living being on the planet. And she has this strong belief Women have a secret duty to be connected to this feminine aspect of all life. Wow, I am so in line with her thoughts. And this is exactly what drives me too. Let's welcome Deepika. Hello, Deepika, how are you? (laughs) Hi, Ingrid. I am wonderful. How are you? Oh, good, good. Uh, you are at service to women with your project Conscious Women Rising. I wonder how conscious are you about yourself? I, I do not know a lot about you. Are you married? Do you have children? Are you on your own? Yeah, I am. I am. So I'm married and we have, I've been married for 17 years <laughs> and, um, and we have five children. So when I met my partner, he was recently widowed with two young boys, two young sons, they were four and six. And so I really went from, well, actually I'd been living in an ashram in India 
and I was still living a life with a backpack. Yeah, and basically my backpack was put down and I became a householder with a partner and, and was raising two small boys full time. And we added to that. We had, <laughs> we had three more children. Was that the idea? No, no plan whatsoever. There was, there was no plan. There's never been a, um, we've never written a script for this. This is just, yeah. <laughs> just came along, yes. You know, it's funny because all the years in clinical practice and of working with, with, with women and with couples that are wishing to conceive and often trying so hard to conceive, you know, and that's just never been the story in my life. So, oh, okay, here we go. We're going again. <laughs> oh, I got five now. Okay. <gasps> yeah, yeah. So needless to say, my backpack became a suitcase. Ah, uh, so your life, life changed, changed a lot when you met this man. Oh my gosh, yeah. Was he yeah. also in a natural? No, no, not at all, not at all. But, um, you know, I, I'll be very open and I'll go straight in and deep. The I always knew that I would not be living long term in, in this ashram. Um, I'd been there for six months. I'd, I was back there for another 12 months and I knew that I wouldn't be there for years and years. Um, there were there were things in the world that I had to be of service to. And the day that I was leaving the ashram, I went down to the deity Durga to say goodbye. And as I was approaching, the voice very clearly, very succinctly said, you are going home to look after Graham Voss and his boys. And it was so clear and so precise that I couldn't even believe it <laughs> to be true. But oh. that's exactly what happened. So you knew him already? I knew him already. I had um, I had worked with clinically with his wife when she was oh. unwell, and they had come to India for treatment. Wow, it's amazing how eh, what the universe sent to your path. Yeah. So it's never been a question of over the years when things get rough or challenging or there's friction and there's you know there's been lots. It's it's alive. It's a living relationship and there's lots of human beings thrown into the mix of this dynamic. But um, I can remember one day my partner looking at me saying, do you ever just feel like leaving or walking away? And I say, no, never, because I'm where I was meant to, I'm where I'm meant to be. It's about what do I need to do? What do I need to work on myself? I understand this is you. This is a conscious woman talking. Were you always that conscious? and uh, therefore different because you're a little bit different than most most women yeah well it's funny because i think you know i live in a bubble and i think yeah. isn't everybody like me yeah probably <laughs> yeah. not but you being different conscious must have started somewhere in your life perhaps as a child things really started for me i was going through life pretty well you know i was having a lot of fun but i was sleepwalking i would have to say through through my early through my teens through my early 20s and having crazy adventures working hard playing hard but i didn't really have a conscious and awakened spiritual orientation that i was aware of when i look back now it was there as a very small girl but it it, it became dormant and it was upon the death 
and sudden loss of a previous partner of mine that just smashed my life and world as I knew it to smithereens that I found myself drawn very strongly to what became a very conscious spiritual path. So what was the trigger? The trigger was when he physically died, as he physically died, and we, we were living overseas, we were living in Los Angeles, and I was, without being aware of it, repeating a mantra. Oh. And the paramedics stopped working on him and looked at me, and I became aware that a mantra was coming out of my mouth, and it was a mantra of a lineage that I knew, a mantra of a lineage that very dear friends were associated with, and the yearning in me was so great to get back to Australia, um, be connected physically with um, where that lineage was housed. And how was it when you came then finally in Australia? What happened there? When I got back to Australia, it was surreal. I mean, I was pretty broken. I was struggling in many ways. So for me, I really took refuge in this yoga community. I really took refuge in the practices, in the daily schedule. And I had a lot of physical contact and relationship with the organisation, with the practices, because it was like a life jacket. It was like a life rope. And for that, I am you know, eternally grateful eternally grateful and that was also what I hung on to through what emerged 12 months after Steve's death as my first ever experience of anxiety and of panic attacks and life became really hard and really debilitating for for several months and but I, I you know that that's the path that I was to grow from and I did and then found myself living in India offering my service as a naturopath in the, com in the community oh. ashram. Oh, my God. You ended up in an ashram in India. Was that a conscious decision? How come you went from Australia to India? For what reason? Well, I, um, I went to a retreat. I went to a retreat that was like a, a, an Easter retreat. And... Um, it was this four-day retreat and, and I was sitting in, in, in a hall with hundreds of people and we were chanting and the Swami leading it said, everybody's invited to, to the Mother Ashram. And people smiled and thought, isn't that lovely? And I cried and I cried and I cried because I knew it was an invitation. I heard the invitation. For you and uh, <laughs> and it was like I, I cried because I began to grieve what I was going to have to let go of. And I was going to have to let go of relating to life the way I always had. I knew that things were going to change. So I could have applied to go there for a month and have a lovely little visit. But like most things in life, instead of being modest and or moderate and holding up a nice little plate, I held up the big platter and said, <laughs> I, I, I'm applying to go on staff long term. Ooh. And... Um, and they said, well, you can, but would you like to go and stay in one of these communities first, even in Australia, and try it for a night? And I'm like, no, no, I don't need to know what it's like to even sleep there once. I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> and it was good. I did. Okay. Yeah, of course, it was, it was amazing because it was, a, it was the beginning of really my really starting to heal. 
and um, and it was the beginning of cultivating a, a deep and beautiful ongoing relationship to um, what I understand life to be, what I understand spirit to be, what I understand healing to be, to that which really um, lights me up. Oh, that's interesting. What you understand life, spirit, healing to be. That was a big breakthrough. A revelation to you that could change your life. That aha moment was that the beginning of your wish to share your insights with the world. You became of service at that moment. Mm. I'd say that was the beginnings of it. It was whilst I was... Actually, I, I returned to Australia. I did some more travelling. And, um, and I, I guess I had I'd gone below the surface. And I'd gone as deep as I had the capacity as a vessel to go at that time. You know, I, I was holding all that I could hold with the maturation and mystical imagination that I possessed at the time. And so I thought that was pretty profound. And it was. But in the scheme of things, it was so superficial, right? That's the basis. You know, and, um, and I came back to Australia and, and then turned around and went back there for another 12 months. But in the meantime, I had met, I'd met an extraordinary teacher uh, who became my teacher in, in teaching me Pulsed and Ayurveda. And that was really where the blossoming in how I could palpably put what was trying to move through me into service. The Ayurveda, that was actually something that really resonated with you. Yeah, yeah, because it made naturopathy suddenly became, um, it didn't feel holistic. It felt uh, lacking and it didn't feel to me that it was steeped in lineage and, and a whole. It just didn't feel like a whole. It felt like it was so many different parts coming together. And my task was to seek that which resonated and made most sense. And what really, in fact, resonated and made most sense was a complete holistic model of life itself. And that was Ayurveda. And, and so it really did set me off on a whole trajectory when I began to study Ayurveda and put it and, you know, and it's no, it, it doesn't mean anything, as you know, it doesn't mean anything to know something in our head, theoretically. Mm-hmm. So I had to be start um, living it and putting it into practice immediately to really embody it, imbibe it and understand it and make it my own which was then a journey over, over decades. And another aspect is the feminine essence you are so passionate about. Was the feminine aspect as well part of this Ayurvedic teaching, the holistic approach of humans, or came it from somewhere else? It, part of it came from Ayurveda. A lot of it came from my my own spiritual orientation in in revering the divine feminine, in in understanding the whole play of creation, the whole dynamic of the masculine feminine principle, the whole Shiva Shakti concept, and understanding that that which moves everything in the entire universe is Shakti, is the feminine. You know, and the Vedas say that all righteousness all wealth 
all of creation depend upon woman. Your Ayurvedic woman teachings? I used to start uh, workshops and courses with the Ayurvedic woman for years because it was like we possess something as women that is just extraordinary and profound. But what it really did was um, inspire me to pursue more deeply the whole feminine principle, the whole feminine principle of nature, because that's what kept speaking so loudly as being um, as lacking and as needing to be embraced and embodied for healing for healing on a planetary level, for healing on a global level, community level, for healing all living beings, because life just felt hard and forced and driven by men and women, by organisations, by governments. And so the whole feminine principle just kept sort of uh, becoming alive in me more and more strongly. And I kept resisting what I was being called to do. Now I'm intrigued. What exactly emerged? It all came down to my work was so strongly to be with women and with the, the healing um, mysteries and feminine principles. But I resisted it for a long time because my ego thought that I could be of service to everybody in the world, not just women. Why would I just want to be a service to women? women. Yeah. Can't I be here for everybody? And then, so again, part of the maturation process, I realised I cannot um, reach everybody, you know, and, and so if I really wish to refine and potentise what I do, then I have to be, I had to hone it in. And clearly, you know, my gifts and skills were to do that with women. It was obvious by, by the nature of courses and offerings that I'd been teaching for a long time anyway. <laughs> so how long are you doing this? So, uh, courses to women and helping women? So I've been doing workshops exclusively for women, teaching and for, for women for 17, 18 years. Oh. It's only been in the last four years that I've been teaching online courses for women because you know that was overcoming another big barrier and hurdle to take it all online and to make it exclusive for women and then I founded Conscious Woman Rising which was uh, again another I guess uh, commitment to doing to being an instrument I mean, I'm not doing any of it. It's being done through me, but being the instrument so that this work could come through. And, uh, you know, it's like, really, can't it be conscious humans rising? <laughs> it's like, oh, woman, woman. Woman and, rising, and, yes. And sure. I recognise that, again, with the whole feminine principle, and, and I'd known it for, for, you know, decades, really, that like the Vedas, going back to the Vedas, the Vedic, this Vedic statement, all wealth, righteousness, and creation depend upon woman. The buck stops with woman. It actually it's, starts with woman, and it stops with woman. Hour. It's our and time now. Eh? It's our time. And everything in between is intricately, um, it's like this great ecosystem, and it's all the linchpin, the pillar of it all, is the wellness of woman. So when we are not well, our children are not well, Men are not well. Communities cannot be well. 
on and on and on the ripple effect goes. So finally it was like, oh, okay, I surrender. <laughs> I'm starting to get this. Okay, I surrender and, oh. um, and, and really dedicate my work to healing the great feminine principle in all living beings and, and the planet. Well, that's really the big project you're working on ongoing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I left the company to go on pension, of course, I became bored. And you know what? I spontaneously organized a women's event, a panel discussion evening on International Women's Day now mm, three years ago. And... I look inside a lot and it became obvious I had to help women in their search for their true self, their genius, their leadership, and I had no idea how. But yeah, there is no need to know how. I thought, just surrender. Clarity comes by so-called coincidences and a kind of a magnet that sucks you into a certain direction. I started with public speaking, a book, interviews, panel discussions, podcasts. And this is where I see similarities with your story. It looks like we are drawn and pushed by the same magnet. Can you call it our heart-soul mission? That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's really, there's such a, a, there's a mission in that. Yes. You know, there's really a mission. It's truth. It, it is, and it is what we need to hear and embrace to understand where we've come from, who we are, and how we can meet what's coming at us. Yes, the coming years are very crucial huh, for mankind. Everybody has to think now in a different way. They know now that they have to work together instead of against each other. So the big shift has, has come. Mm. and uh, I think women have a lot to do with it to clear it out mm. and to lead so it's important mm. well women um, women have the capacity to to in fact be more malleable to be more adaptable by their very nature I agree women are more adaptable by their very nature and therefore important to mankind the feminine principle is core to heal the world. Women beyond ordinary, these were the final words to conclude part one of Deepika Delmenico's project, Healing the Divine Feminine in Each of Us. Thank you, Ingrid. We will continue. Yeah, we will continue. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. And before we leave, perhaps something sparked in you. You may have questions or just want to surround yourself with like-minded people, other entrepreneurs and women beyond ordinary. Join our Facebook page and also a closed group, WBO Exclusive Club, where women can be open and where it is safe to talk and get inspired. We would love you to tune in soon. Have a lovely day.